2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. Quote, the Lord knows those who are his, unquote. And, quote, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, unquote. I really don't like watching debates, but I watched one recently between a believer who was, in my opinion, a real jerk and a really nice guy who was a false teacher. And who won the debate? The devil did. And listening to the false teacher try to justify why the Bible isn't inspired by God was just annoying. His reasons were just dumb. Many of us on the other side who believe that the scriptures are inerrant, they are the inspired word of God, will use verses like 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And That was the Apostle Paul that wrote that. Well, when you say that you don't believe that all Scripture is inspired, you're basically calling the Apostle Paul a liar. But I don't believe that God wants us to base everything off of just one verse, rather discover the truth for ourselves. And that's what I did. And as a new believer, when I read that verse, I was like, okay, um, I guess this is true, but I didn't really own it yet. But I was conflicted because I didn't know. So this is a summary of my story, and I hope this ministers to some people. I'm not a scholar. I'm not even that bright, but I love Jesus and he's radically changed my life and I find the scriptures to be a refuge. So all my life, I believed God was real and I wasn't a church kid. My parents weren't religious. In fact, only a few people that I knew had any religious affiliation. And during my life, I always felt God's presence as if he was breathing down the back of my neck. And I was scared of him because I had heard about God, how he sends bad people to hell from some overzealous churchgoers up the road. But I felt the strange sensation that God was drawing me to him at a very young age. And in John 6, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And this happened to me. And I received Jesus when I was about 27 years old after living a wicked life. So this made sense to me that it was God drawing me like his word said. So there's some confirmation there. Okay, yeah, I can get that. God's word said this, and that's what happened. So in my life, this was consistent with what that said. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. And this also happened. I was now very different, changing day by day. I could see it in my life, and so could others. So this, too, I found to be true. Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In a nutshell, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit about two years after I was a believer. And my spiritual life, it was like being on a runway in an aircraft. And once I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my spiritual life just took off and was airborne. I was now on my way. And I became a witness. God empowered me to really share my faith. And it was evident. It was very real, very different. But I experienced this. And it was very real. So again, there's something else in Scripture I can validate happened to me. And the list goes on. What the Bible says will happen to a person that receives Jesus and follows him actually happened to me just like what I was reading in the Scriptures about the disciples of Jesus. 
So now the proof that the Bible is true, inspired, and is our final authority was nailed down for me personally because of my own experience with the consistency of it. I found it to be true. But trying to convince others, that's another story. Many saw the change in me and quickly wrote it off as, oh yeah, Todd's got religion and thought it would fade away eventually, but that was in 1994 and it's accelerated. But I needed to figure out how to share my beliefs in a way that was provable. And what I found is a lot of people, even some in church, they do not want to believe the Bible is inspired or inerrant because it makes them feel guilty for their sin. I was shocked to meet people who professed Christ but really had no interest in submitting to Scripture. But there's a lot of people in church as well as outside the church that even if I could persuade them academically or logically, they would still choose to not walk by faith, but walk in their flesh. That's what they want. But to those who are interested, especially new believers, I realize I need to learn some things about the Bible's inerrancy and divine inspiration. Otherwise, I'm going to look stupid. So I begin to dig in, found a few things that I believe will help someone deal with this issue in their own heart. So reading the scriptures, we must learn what the context of the passage is if we're going to understand it correctly as we are able to. And this involves a few things like reading the Bible, for starters. It's amazing how many people won't read their Bibles. We look at the passage literal meaning. What does it literally mean? Then we stay put in that literal meaning. Don't try to inject an opinion that contradicts the literal meaning. What is the passage's current culture? So at the time of the writing, what's the culture like? What's the historical data that we can pull from the passage? What do we know about history that we can add to it to give us a better understanding of it? What would a person at the time of the writing understand this to mean? Now, Jesus spoke in parables to help people understand spiritual truths using common things in their day, like the parable of the sower. His culture was very familiar with planting seeds and growing crops and harvesting the crop. Whereas in our times, many people have never planted or harvested a crop. They never planted anything, grew anything in their life. So understanding things such as the feed bags that were strapped on the back of an animal with holes in the side, allowing the seed that was in the bags to be cast from left to right as the animal walked and the animal's movement moved the bag, that helps us to understand why some of the seed made it all the way outside the intended soil, out to the wayside. And this requires that we learn and learn by studying the history. And you can read Alfred Edersheim's Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, which is free on eSword. I'm not sponsored by eSword or anybody else, but it's a great resource. And these books are free and you learn a ton about the culture. Also, you got to consider that the ancient language of the scriptures is not totally translatable in some instances. And despite many good translations and really good translators of the scriptures, sometimes the meaning can get skewed in the translations. For example, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That seems pretty cut and dry. Don't be a drunk. Rather be a spirit-filled believer. Okay, good. Move on. Wait. When we have Greek resources, again, there's some free on eSword, or commentators that are knowledgeable of Greek, or you may have some pastors or people that know the Greek. What you find in this verse, instead of it meaning just to be filled with the Holy Spirit once, it actually means to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. And this reveals many people's understanding that the filling of the Holy Spirit as a one-time event is actually incorrect. So yeah, I got saved when I was 13. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and it never happened again. It's like, oh, that's a problem. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing that we must pursue by asking the Lord to fill us again. 
I do this routinely and not from some legalistic perspective. Rather, I want the Holy Spirit to fill me all the time. I don't want to be empty. And I feel empty a lot, especially when I'm in one of my bad moods. And I know the Holy Spirit doesn't want any part with my bad attitude. So I can just imagine hearing him say, okay, Todd, I'm out. See ya. And I believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives has a lot to do with how obedient to the Word we are and how much we love God. That's my opinion. So this is an example of getting educated by learning about the grammatical significance of the ancient language, which can easily be watered down by translation. So that's helpful in understanding that the grammar in the original language can be different. Also, what I find helpful is what I heard called the 2020 rule, where there's a verse in question. You start by going 20 verses back, and then you read up to the verse, and then you go 20 verses beyond, and you get a better idea of what's going on in the chapter. And that doesn't mean literally 2020, it just means read the whole section. And I just taught this to a few younger believers. When you read it and you discuss, hey, this is what's happening in this whole passage. All of a sudden, it can just shed light on this question you have, and it answers itself. It works very well. So if you get hung up on a verse, try it and see if it works. So in my quest to determine if the Bible is inerrant, if it's infallible, if it's inspired, I found these things helpful. And there's more things as you get into it and you study. And I want to touch base on a couple of things. There's two words that I learned. The words are exegesis and eisegesis. And it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. It's spelled differently. But basically, these are two approaches to studying the Bible. Exegesis, and it has this lengthy meaning I'm not going to get into, but basically my understanding of it is when a person reads a portion of the text and allows the text to speak for itself while carefully analyzing the context, the reader is practicing exegesis, letting the text speak for itself, digging in. On the other hand, when a person reads the text and disregards the context and interprets the text however they want, basically, this is eisegesis. And this is what false teachers do. And going back to that disheartening debate that I endured, actually I only watched for 15 minutes before I tapped out, the false teacher, his entire defense was using this eisegesis approach. It wasn't factual. It was opinions. It was how do you feel things like that. And and I'm just watching them going, this dude's off the rails, man. So the point is, don't try to make the scriptures fit your own agenda or ideas. Rather, dig into the truth and gain a better understanding of God's Word. So going back to my story, I determined for myself, after reading the verses and not really being convinced at the beginning because I was new, but I determined the scriptures are inspired by God and inerrant or free from error, not simply by reading the verses, but by surrendering to Jesus, connecting with the Holy Spirit, studying the text learning about my own flesh and my own wicked tendencies to veer off that chosen path and into my own fleshly agenda. I had to come to terms with how wicked my heart actually is. I had to learn to overcome the flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, for example, and communing with Jesus, knowing that he is now my king, hearing his voice, as he said in John 10, 27, and much more. Jesus proved himself to me and proved to me that I can put my trust in him and his word because he will never contradict his word. And where somebody in the name of Jesus contradicts the word, they are a false teacher, no doubt. So for anyone being dragged away from the scriptures by false teachers that teach things that conflict with scripture, remember, the real proof of the infallibility of the word is Jesus himself. As we surrender to him and put away our wickedness, calling it what it is, sin, our eyes and ears will be opened to the truth. And when we are walking in truth, we're truly blessed. Thank you.